Mix in the Dark. Hey, what's up? It's Mai Ying from Mix in the Dark. I took a little social media break after the social hour event with podcasters. The turnout was amazing. We had a full house of creative voices and listeners who enjoyed podcasts. I am overwhelmed by the support that gathered that day and I met so many people. I made so many connections that night and I felt like I was constantly getting pulled to the left and right to meet people and it was great. I want to thank all of the podcasters for making it out. We had people from Wisconsin, people from Texas, and honestly, my co-host and I, we anticipated five podcasts and 10 to 15 podcasters to show up, but we ended up with 12 podcasts and 34 podcasters registered to show up. We even got a chance to meet with podcasters who just came out to support, and that to me was so good to see. I am going to link all of their information below, so please take some time to check them out and see if you vibe with them. Big shout outs to the few supporters who came out. I can tell that you listened to my podcast at its full list because you asked me to meet my husband. You asked about how my baby is doing. You asked me how work is and if I'm doing all right. I love you all. Thank you so much. If you missed this event, don't worry. There will probably be other opportunities in the future. I'm currently working on something that would involve our younger listeners who couldn't come out to this event for obvious reasons. And I'll let you know when I figure it out. All right, well, we got to move on. I got to talk about this episode. This episode is titled Something's Out to Get Me because that is literally what these three stories are about. You know, the elders don't like us going out late because they think that something might follow you home. If you go out hunting, fishing, camping, etc., you got to be careful or something in the woods might just follow you home. And sometimes it's the very thing living in your backyard that wants you gone. Beware and enjoy. Story 1 When I was younger, I used to live at my grandma's, my mom's mother. We lived in Kakana, Wisconsin at the time with my siblings, aunts, uncles, and cousins. We lived in an area where there were lots of trees and a huge open area. At the time, we also owned a few chickens and pigeons in the backyard. When I was younger, I did not know much about the house, but that it was a little creepy. I remember when I was younger, I had an experience with a little girl. Mind you, she was not real nor alive, but that's for another story. Anyway, I remember going to sleep one night. I had a dream about our house. In the dream, a fairy took me with her. She showed me around and there were many other fairies. Everything was so beautiful. I remembered vividly that she took me to another room. In the room I saw another fairy, but she was different. She was locked up and was a giant. I remember her looking so sad. I asked the fairies about her, but they did not say much. I decided to talk to her, knowing how lonely it could be. She kind of looked like Tefiti from the movie Moana, but a fairy. This was before the movie Moana even came out. After talking with her, I decided that it was probably getting late and that my mom might be worried. I told her that I would come back and visit when I can. I'm not sure if I woke up after or if I was still dreaming, but I remember going back to visit her. She was so happy and filled with excitement. She wanted me to stay with her forever. This was the first time I saw her smiling. When it was time for me to go back, she told me, Please stay. It's almost my time to go. 
and if you come with me, you can have whatever you want. I said, where are you going? She didn't say anything. I told her, don't worry, I promise I'll be back after I finish school and college when I get older. I told her these things because I knew it was my last time visiting her. Only because my mom would yell at me if I kept going out to see her. Just a side note, my mom and dad rented a duplex in Appleton and we moved there. Back to the story, she told me, If you go, you will not come back. You will forget about me, and by the time you come back, I won't be here anymore. That's why I want you to come with me. She kept trying to convince me, but I knew that in my heart, school was more important. My family was more important. I can't just leave them behind. After that, I left with a smile and told her, See you next time. She looked down and was sad all over again. I don't remember if I woke up, but I completely forgot about her. Time passed in the present world. I was now in middle school. Seventh grade at the time, it was one night that I fell asleep and I had a dream about going back to visit this giant fairy at my grandma's old house. Everything still seemed the same, but where was she, I asked myself. I went around and asked other fairies if they knew anything that might have happened to her. They said, we don't know. After you left and never came back, she just disappeared. I was sad knowing I would never get to see her again. After the short dream, I woke up and was breathing heavily. My heart broke into millions, realizing that I now remembered, but it was way too late. I am now 15 and still in school. I question myself, what would have happened if I really did go with her? What would have happened if I did get everything that I wanted? Would I still be living here on Earth today? Story 2 I used to live in a duplex in Sacramento, California. It's a two-bedroom, one-bathroom house. The people living in the house were my husband, his two younger brothers, and myself. We also had a Yorkie named Jasmine, or Jazzy for short. We were all older at the time and were working and going to school full-time. We were barely home during the day. The layout of the duplex is not normal. Normally, all houses will have the front door directly in front of their houses. For us, our front door was located on the side of the house. You would have to go through a wooden gate to get to our front door, which also led to the backyard. The layout of the house is that the kitchen faces the street. The living room area is where the front door was located. We had this long hallway to the bathroom and two bedrooms located in the back of the house. When we first moved into the duplex, there was never anything eerie about the place. The only thing that always gave me the creeps was our dark and long hallway to the bedrooms and bathroom. Just a little background about my spirituality identity, I believe that I have a strong spirit and is very xiello, meaning it takes a lot to scare me. Having a strong spirit can have different meanings. In this case, it means that ghosts do not bother you as often because of the positive aura that you carry. I've never experienced anything paranormal. 
It wasn't until an incident that happened to my brother-in-law when weird things started happening around our house. My brother-in-law usually goes visits his girlfriend at the time, wife now in Stockton, California, on the weekends. His girlfriend's family does a lot of outdoor activities like fishing, hiking, camping, and hunting. So he would tag along on those trips. One Sunday, my brother-in-law returned home from visiting his girlfriend. He was in his room unloading his duffel bag when he realized that there was a wet spot on his pillow. He insisted that our dog Jazzy pissed on his pillow. I smelled the wet spot on his pillow and understood it to have no odor whatsoever. I thought it was just a puddle of water and that someone spilled water on his pillow. He does share the room with my other brother-in-law, but my other brother-in-law insisted that he hadn't been in the room all day long. Jazzy was potty trained and would only pee on the training doggy pads that were laid out for her. She would never pee on the bed nor our pillows. There was never an incident where Jazzy had an accident on our bed and she has always slept with us on our bed. It was a really weird incident. My brother-in-law just shrugged it off and cleaned up the mess by washing his pillows. He went about his day. Shortly after that incident, everyone in the house started experiencing really strange things, including my husband, who is the biggest skeptic of paranormal activities. My husband was raised from a Catholic family, so he was never taught to be scared of the dark and has very little fear for the paranormal. I, on the other hand, was raised from a shaman family and believed in everything, all of the superstitions, monsters, and demons that our elders tell us about, including the Bonzong. I believe in these things even though I have never seen nor experienced any of this. My experience happened in broad daylight. It was around 2 p.m. in the afternoon. I was home alone with Jazzy. I was off work and was working on some homework in the kitchen. I then had to get to class, so I left all my books, homework, and backpack on the kitchen table. Because it was windy outside, I decided to grab a sweater from our bedroom before heading out. I was in the kitchen, so I would have to walk past our front door, past the living room, and through the hallway to get to my bedroom at the very back of the house. Jazzy has separation anxiety, so she would follow me around wherever I go. Jazzy had on her collar. Her collar has a bell on it, so wherever she goes, we could hear her. As I was walking to our bedroom, I could hear Jazzy's bell following closely behind. I remember passing the front door and seeing that it was locked. I proceeded to the bedroom to grab a sweater. After grabbing my sweater, I ended up closing all of the doors behind me, including my bedroom door, my brother-in-law's bedroom door, and the bathroom door. Jazzy continued to follow me back to the kitchen. She suddenly stopped in the living room. I was in the kitchen at this point, gathering my books and homework, and was putting them in my backpack. While I was doing this, I heard a big gush of wind. I heard Jazzy's bell ringing rapidly like she was running. Her bell sound slowly disappeared, which meant that she was now a distance from me. I suddenly heard a bang. The front door had just closed. Confused and startled, I yelled out, Jazzy? 
I walked into the living room still shouting Jazzy's name. I heard nothing, no bark, nothing. I decided to go check the bathroom and bedrooms to see if I accidentally locked her in the rooms. All of the doors were still closed. I went to open all the doors hoping to find Jazzy. I finally opened my bedroom door, which was the last room. I expected her to be in our bedroom, but still, there was no sign of Jazzy. I was more confused than scared. I was wondering where Jazzy could have gone. Our house wasn't a big house. How could a little dog be missing? I walked back to the living room, and something told me to check outside. I unlocked the locks to our front door, and... There she was, sitting in the front door waiting to come inside. At that moment in time, I began to get chills and I started to get scared. All these things are running through my mind. It's broad daylight. How could something paranormal happen right now? I let Jazzy in and quickly grabbed my backpack and left the house for class. When I got into my car and started driving, I called my husband and told him of the incident. He shrugged it off and said that it was just me seeing things. I sternly asked how the front door could have possibly opened by itself when it was locked. When I was looking for Jazzy, I had to unlock the front door to open it. I never saw anything or felt any presence. I was just very confused and I questioned the whole incident. It made absolutely no sense to me. I didn't come home that night until I knew my husband was home. I never wanted to be in the house alone ever again. After this incident, my husband too started seeing paranormal things around the house. My husband and I sat down to reflect on all of the things that were happening to us lately and we reached the conclusion that nothing really happened until the incident with my brother-in-law's pillow. We were thinking that maybe something followed him home from all of the outings that he does with his girlfriend's family. In time, these events just suddenly all stopped. We only lived there for a while and decided to move out to a bigger house. That was the first time that I experienced something paranormal and questionable. I am still very law and I hope that I don't ever see or experience any more paranormal activities. Who knows, until this day, I still question the incidents. Story 3 I grew up in a large and traditional shaman family. Therefore, that is why I believe we had a lot of paranormal activities growing up. Although most things did not affect me directly at a younger age, my siblings and I did experience a lot together. When we would tell my parents about these paranormal things, like most OGs, they would just say that it was them who came to check on us in the middle of the night or that we were just imagining things. A lot of little things happened here and there and it became sort of almost normal. We each have a story to share about it, but here is one of my individual stories. I was about eight years old and summer had just started. Our daily routine consisted of going to my cousin's house to play, mainly because they lived across the street from a park. Like usual, we'd go to the park during the day and hurry back home right before it got dark. 
My sisters and I were very close to our cousins and our group mainly consisted of girls within the same age range. Although I was not the oldest of them all, I was the one to first have gone through the menstruation cycle. This is an important detail that triggered my haunting. On one particular day, a bunch of our relatives had gathered and spent the day at the park. My dad decided that since everyone was here, we should end the night at our house where the adults can have a few beers and mingle. Everyone agreed and was looking forward to it since it was the weekend. We ended up staying at the park much later than usual. The sky was already dark and the streetlights had turned on. Noticing this, my dad rounded everyone up and suggested that we make way to our home. And just like that, everyone hopped in their cars and followed after. A few of us kids decided that instead of going in the car, we would race back to my house by foot just for fun since I only lived three blocks away. As the last car made its way out of the parking lot, those of us left behind ran ahead attempting to outrun the car. I remember being second or third place in the group, but then shortly after running almost halfway to my house, I felt a sharp pain shoot into my chest from behind. Caught off guard, I slowed down and started jogging, and then finally walking sluggishly. I started to press and pound my fist against my chest to hopefully alleviate the pain. It was no help. Suddenly, I was having difficulties breathing as I made an exaggerated effort to inhale and slowly exhale. Falling behind everyone else, one of my cousins slowed down and asked if I was okay. Unsure of my situation, I just assumed exhaustion was the cause and I tried to speak up only to realize that I could only say a word at a time. I told her, I think so. Worried by my condition, she stayed behind with me as the rest zoomed off toward my house. Noticing that with each step and breath I took, I was growing weaker and my surroundings were less visible. I placed a hand on my cousin's shoulder as she guided me to my house. Once we reached my house, you could hear talking and laughter coming from inside. Everyone had settled in and was enjoying themselves. As soon as my cousin opened the door to let us in, my aunt and uncle noticed my heavy breathing and asked what was wrong. I tried to not let them worry and I just smiled slightly without answering. Noticing that I felt uncomfortable, my cousin informed them that I was just exhausted. With that being said, they stopped the questioning and resumed to their previous conversations. My cousin helped me through the crowd from the living room into the hall and then toward my bedroom that I shared with my two sisters. Once we got to the front of my bedroom door, we could all hear the other kids in my room screaming and laughing about it. We opened the door and everyone was pointing and teasing us for being the last place from our previous race. Realizing that I had a painful expression on my face and my labored breathing, they all started to ask what was wrong. Unable to make up the words, I shrugged and pointed to my bed. They all cleared a path and talked quietly amongst themselves as my cousin helped me settle into my bed. I slowly leaned back into my pillow as I positioned myself to lay flat on my back. 
I placed my hands over my heart, trying to calm down my heart rate. My cousin was still worried and asked if she could go get my parents. I shook my head and laid still gesturing that I will be fine. I just needed to rest a bit. She understood but was still concerned. She sat next to me for the time being while chatting it up with the rest of the group. About 30 minutes had passed and I was still struggling to breathe. I started to freak out. I worried that I may be dying. The room was filled with voices of all my cousins and sisters, but it was very muffled and it echoed. Even the room appeared to be darker than usual. While laying still, tears started to form falling down onto my pillow. I tried to call my cousin's name, but I was unable to produce a sound other than wheezing noises. Scared, I swinged my arm to the side, tapping my cousin on the shoulder. She turned around and noticed that I was crying. I started making hand gestures in the air for a pen so that I could write out what I needed to say. She asked my sister and they quickly gave me a piece of paper and a pen. I can't talk. I can't breathe. I think I need to go to the hospital. Can you get my dad? I wrote down these things and I gave it to my cousin. She quickly read it and ran out of the room to retrieve my dad. I watched as my dad came barging into our room and immediately caressed my head, asking me what was wrong. I tried as hard as I could to talk. I was able to breathe out the words. I can't breathe. With tears flowing down my face, I am now breathing heavier than ever and I am scared. The look on my dad's face changed from worry to scared as he quickly picked me up and carried me out of the room, yelling out to my mom as my sisters followed closely and crying. As my dad carried me, all of the adults had stopped their chattering and directed their attention to my dad. They all asked what was going on, but my dad ignored them, still shouting out for my mom to come out from the kitchen. Not knowing what the deal was, my mom came out of the kitchen annoyed, only to see me in my father's arms, grasping for air. Scared, my mom approached him and asked what was wrong. I am taking our daughter to the hospital, but in the meantime, calling Shaman immediately to check what is going on. He said this quietly to her with a very serious face. She nodded and grabbed his keys. She ran out of the door to start the car. My dad quickly put on his shoes and told my sisters to open the car door for me and sit with me as well in the car to keep an eye on me. My dad quickly seated me in the back and rushed to the driver's side. As soon as he was buckled up, he also made sure that my sisters and I were buckled up as well. We headed to the closest ER. Unfortunately, I don't remember much other than being extremely scared of closing my eyes because I felt that if I did, I would have probably never woken up. Due to exhaustion, I did end up shutting my eyes shortly after entering the exam room. Everything was kind of a blur and I remember waking up on the exam table surprised that I was still alive. The next thing I knew, we were already in the car and heading back home. We finally arrived home and everyone had gone home already. 
I walked into the house and all I could smell was the incense that had been lit up. My dad quickly burned a couple and waved it around me, mumbling words and mong. Without any explanation, my dad told me that for the next seven days, I could only eat cooked rice with water, nothing else. Disappointed, but scared of the consequences, I abided by his words. The next day, my mom and dad had prepared a few items to offer my dad's shaman altar. A chicken, a bowl of cooked rice, and paper money. My dad mumbled a chant as he offered these items as a way to thank the ancestors for helping. And for one week, I did nothing but stay home, sleep, and eat rice with water. By the time that I was able to eat normally again, I asked my dad to tell me the truth. He told me that the reason for what happened to me that night was that there was a wandering male spirit who was full of rage and anger. Because I had freshly become a woman, I had a strong scent of virgin blood that the spirit was attracted to. He had followed my scent and found me, so he waited for an opportunity. While I was running, he chased after me and shot me with his arrow. He was then able to latch himself while restricting my airways, suffocating me so that he could end my life to satisfy his anger. The shaman had already called upon ancestors to fight him and have him let go of my soul. To purify and clean my soul from his lingering effects, I had to eat rice with water for a week. I was then advised to no longer stay out late at night, especially when I'm menstruating because it will attract bad spirits. The shaman told my dad that if my dad had reacted any later, I would have died that night. When I finally woke up at the ER, it was about the same time my dad received the call from the shaman that I was no longer in trouble. Ever since this incident, I felt like it caused this major spike to my paranormal occurrences throughout life. I also felt as if I owed my ancestors my life for their help. And for that, I had come face to face with a decision that would happen later on in life. This story is to be continued. Thank you for listening to Mix in the Dark. I am your host, Mai Ying. Mix in the Dark is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast series. If you have a story that you would like to share, please send it to mixinthedark at gmail.com. If there's a story that you really enjoyed, feel free to hit up my tip jar on Venmo. Just search Mix in the Dark on the business tab.